Why, hello. Bonjour, bonjour. I am really delighted to be sharing this episode with you in which I have the chance and the privilege, really, of sharing with you how how darn lucky, (laughs) how lucky, how grateful, how proud I am to be the daughter of my papa bear, (laughs) Raymond Anthony Degar, and I recorded a lot of this episode while I was with my dad um, in California. Now it's probably been almost a month ago, and I wanted to share this right away and thought, ooh, I'll wait for Father's Day. (laughs) Um, And thought that would be a timely moment to speak to this really important and really spectacular human being that I, again, I think the verb privilege really is the right one here. I know that, you know, when it comes to family, biological family, that's really just, you know, what what the universe gives us or however you identify the universe, religiously, philosophically. Maybe there isn't a clear explanation or name for you, but that it really, in my mind at least, I know this is not the case in every culture. There's some cultures you believe perhaps in reincarnation and karma from past lives. And for me, in any case, whatever the reality is, whatever the truth is, I feel so, so, again, blessed and privileged to have a dad like my dad. Um, and I, I think that, you know, it's something, fortunately, that... I kind of have had awareness of since I was young, since I was a young child. I've been aware of how how truly exceptional my parents are, both my mama and papa bear. And of course, today I'll be focusing and speaking to that bond and relationship that I share with my papa. And, and it's one that... As I said, I think I've had a sense of, and only as I've grown and been able to maybe articulate myself better, both in writing and verbally, been able to express to my dad how much he means to me. And on this <laughs> on this um, day, celebrating the fathers in our lives, because I think, of course, perhaps and hopefully, for many of us, it is a very special bond to have with your, you know, the, the pops, the dad who brought you into the world and who was there when you entered this universe. But that there are many, you know, father figures potentially in one's life, right? Um, grandfathers, godfathers, uncles, you know, cherished friends who are perhaps usually a little older than you if they do feel like a father figure. Um, And by and large, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a dad or a father? And 
clearly I can't speak to this from personal experience, um, but that as someone who's on the receiving end of a father's love, of the deep love and commitment and just kind of the way a dad cherishes his child. And I know they tend to say, you know, a dad and his daughters, you know, that's a particularly beautiful relationship. Um, perhaps in part, kind of historically, this sense of a protective father, right? Who is really looking out and wants the best for and wants to ensure that his daughters are loved and cared for and cherished as they as they so deserve to be loved and cared for and cherished. And so again, I'm just so overwhelmed right now with with an abundance of gratitude that I grew up with my dad. <laughs> that my dad is my dad. <laughs> you really are. I know, again, I said this <laughs> when I was sharing about my relationship with my mama, my mama bear, that I truly do have the most extraordinary dad. And I I like to hope, and I know this isn't the case for everyone, but that for many of us, we do have a relationship that is really meaningful with our parents, with one or both of our parents. And for me, like what, okay, then let's see, we throw around these nice adjectives, maybe especially in the States, all these very positive, uplifting adjectives, extraordinary. What does extraordinary even mean, right? And for me, I think extraordinary means someone who embodies, who embodies this really powerful and beautiful capacity to give with all his heart and soul to dedicate all his energy and knowledge and time to sacrifice and to express why he sacrifices and why you matter so deeply to him and why he loves you more than anything in the world and why he is proud to call you his child. And and so for me, again, I think we all, you know, in a simplistic breaking down of the word, I haven't looked at the etymology of it, but just, right, extra, meaning something that is in addition to what might be considered standard or traditional, and ordinary, that which is of a daily occurrence. I think we tend... I think ordinary things are often the most beautiful things in life. And so in my mind, it has a very positive connotation. I think sometimes culturally, maybe societally, again, I'm speaking as someone who grew up in North America in the States, that we don't want to be ordinary for some reason, that we really applaud and value and we give prizes and medals and pretty certificates and awards to those who are more than ordinary. And while I don't think that's uh, in and of itself a negative thing, I think that it's really 
It's wonderful to acknowledge and to give a round of applause, a bravo to those who perform at an elite level or who are able to achieve a certain amount of expertise or generate new knowledge or new techniques that really benefit our world in in a myriad of ways. I think that is that is something that makes sense to me and that is excellent to do. As long as it's not at the cost of dismissing that which is perhaps, quote, simple <laughs> or average or, again, for me, ordinary is of the daily occurrence, something that is perhaps in your awareness or in your life in such a way that you forget to notice it, perhaps. And that's what maybe many of us associate with ordinary and perhaps that's why people resist this label of ordinary because we want to be acknowledged. We don't want to be overlooked or missed. We want to be given some sort of attention. Again, it doesn't have to be the gold medal or the highest prize in whatever field it is that you're working, but just a sense that, you know, there's someone or many someones in the world who are listening to your voice and kind of really reinforcing the sense that your voice matters and that what you're doing is important and is what you're meant to be doing to some degree or another. So again, I was a little side ramble on, I think this also links back though to my dad for me. So again, I sincerely, and I think I would <laughs> write a very compelling essay on why and how my papa bear is extraordinary. But he also is really quite adept at kind of making the ordinary magical. Um, and I think for me, again, this transformation of that, which again, we might walk and rush by in our in our day-to-day lives, that which we might deem, quote, ordinary. Like, making that magical is something that seems so natural to my to my dad and something I think he's done with a, kind of a lot of ease, that it's been effortless. And I think that's in part because of the, again, the exceptional or the really, I use spectacular to describe my dad, <laughs> but 10 minutes ago, and I'll use it again to describe my granny Dagar and my grampy Dagar, my, my dad's parents, um, my grandparents, um, who were born and raised in Guyana, who raised their eight children, of whom my dad is one, in Guyana. Um, and I will speak to their story in a little bit, um, But I think part of the reason, again, that my dad is so adept at doing this is because of my granny, Dagar. Um, And she was a really wise (laughs) and strong and beautiful woman who, uh, who brought and nurtured and nourished eight children that she brought into the world and that she, you know, had the chance to share in, you know, some really important and special years with her children, but unfortunately that time was cut short and 
ended far too soon, much sooner than I know I would have wanted or imagine any of my aunties and uncles or my own dad wanted. Um, she, um, she was diagnosed with, I don't know the details of her diagnosis, but I believe it was with breast cancer and I'm not sure at what stage it was that they found it, but it was serious. And uh, my grandpa adored, <laughs> absolutely adored my granny Degar. It seems I had that on both sides of my family. Both my grandparents had this deep adoration and love for each other. And perhaps an even, again, it's different, the love between you know, partners and the love between a parent and her child or his child. Um, but that my granny Degar, you know, sadly lost her battle to cancer and it wasn't, I, I again, I wish that I would have had the chance to hug her <laughs> and to have been in her aura because the way and how my dad always describes her is with such reverence and respect and with such gratitude that she instilled in him so many valuable kind of lessons, these life lessons in the short 16 years he had with her. So, you know, he was 16 when she passed. They did search. I was saying my grandpa adored her and he really, they searched for any and every possible treatment to try to save her life. Both, you know, going towards Europe and the United Kingdom at City of Hope in, in Southern California. And that when they realized it was terminal, that she would not recover, you know, her dying wish was that, one of her dying wishes was that her kids and my grandpa Degar move north, that they'd venture from Guyana, which is just next to Venezuela and Suriname in South America to Burbank, California, or to Southern California. And they landed, when they landed, they ended up in Burbank, California. And I'm saying, like, I think part of the reason my dad is so extraordinary and such a good man, such a kind human being, such an exceptionally wonderful father is because of all of the tragedy really that he endured as a young man and that, and all of the beauty and kind of wisdom that his parents gave to him, you know, both of his parents in their own way, but I've especially Maybe I've asked more perhaps about, or he's spoken especially about my granny Degar in little moments when I remind him of something about her and he'll share different stories. But above all, I've said this before, I feel I've had the chance in a sort of, I don't know, distant sort of way or in a, in a indirect way meeting my granny Degar, who is Yvette, Mary Yvette Degar, through my dad, because she lives so kind of, she's so alive in him. She lives so strongly within his heart and all of the things that make him my dad, his, his honesty, his absolute kind of certainty and 
conviction that yes, honesty is always the right way to go. But being honest is essential and being honest is really doing yourself and everyone around you a service. Like being honest is powerful. From my granny Dagar, his work ethic, his really his his mentality, right? His growth mindset mentality. It was my granny Dagar who taught him how to fix sewing machines. In Guyana, they had a store and they had, I'm not sure how many, maybe half a dozen, a dozen, maybe more sewing machines um, in the small town where they grew up. And it was my granny who taught him, you know, how to fix those, gave him that mindset of he really is to this day. Whenever, anytime I, when I was growing up and even as an adult now, I sincerely know my dad can fix anything. It might not happen in five minutes. It might take many hours or many days or many weeks, but he is always the one who says, find me the manual. He goes back to the manual, you know, has a thoughtful question, goes about it in a methodical, logical way, and he will find you a solution. He will fix everything from, (laughs) you know, something that's sounding a little funky on your car to some household appliance that all of a sudden, clerpunk, and it's not working. (laughs) Uh, You know, and then of course, within his profession, you know, in the engineering space, it really is this There's a creativity, right, to being an engineer, especially a designer and someone who approaches problems with the mentality that says, we're going to figure out how to get this to work. Like we know there's something odd, we're going to identify that and we're going to go in and find a way forward that that really, I think, was something instilled in him from my granny as well. Um, And then just, I think his his patience and his kind of certainty that his children, that myself, my brother and sister, are really capable of meeting any endeavor or challenge that we kind of eye and say, ooh, yes, I'd like to grow in that area or I'd like to achieve this level of again, connaissance of knowledge, like of expertise, or I would really love to help people in this way or to raise awareness about this cause. And I think, again, I've spoken to this in other episodes, the unconditional love, unconditional positive regard, and this deep certainty that we really can do whatever it is that that we think, yeah, that matters enough to me to put in 150% of my energy and time, that we really can reach whatever heights we so decide we shall reach for. And that's a really, again, that's part of what makes my dad extraordinary. I think that as parents, we all do our best, and I'm not in that number yet, but Eric and I hope to be parents soon. Um, <laughs> nothing on board yet. There's no bun in the oven, but <laughs> when the time is right, when it's meant to be, it will be. But I think as parents in general, right, there's no guidebook or handbook that gives you <laughs> a step-by-step or even just a general this is the direction that would probably be healthy and best for your children if you respond in this way or that way or you focus on this thing or that thing that 
it's, you know, one of the most difficult jobs in the world, being a parent and being a parent, a mom or a dad who really helps their child grow and thrive in a world that can feel overwhelming and crowded. So I'm this when I am really speaking to and kind of saying, oh la la, bravo papa, <laughs> well done dad and mom. You know, when I'm applauding my parents, I'm not dismissing the very real challenges that all parents face, including my own. Nobody, nobody achieves perfection. Or one might contend that your imperfections are your perfection, right? So being imperfect is what makes you perfect. But to this paragon and this idea of, you know, in any, in any realm, perhaps we subconsciously often strive for perfection. I definitely know I did in the academic realm thinking that an A was the only way I would deserve a pat on the back and a round of applause if I got an A+. Plus was at the top of the class and you know for different children it's different things whether it's in sports or it's in theater or it's in debate or it's in you know any number of kind of hobbies that become a big part of your world when you're a child growing up that it is really again it's not (laughs) not easy by any means but somehow and I think again I'm a partly attributing this to my dad turning the tragedy of losing his mother at 16 and his father at 25 years old, but months before he got married to my mom and using that to plant seeds of, you know, of kind of, of kindness, of, of sincerity, of authenticity of love that were able to bloom within him as he became a dad, as he became my dad. So it's extraordinary to me because not, and you know, again, not all of us, not all parents are able to quite articulate or express or perhaps demonstrate, right, in your actions even more powerful than your words, perhaps, how deeply you love your child, right? Or how you really do believe in them and that you really will rally by them no matter what happens, no matter what storm enters the scene, no matter what kind of obstacle they have to surmount, that you know and believe and will be there to remind them that they can and they will grow and overcome and thrive. And my papa bear, again, that's part of what makes him extraordinary, is he really did and continues to give that to me and my bro and sis in abundance, in abundance, this deep love and again this certainty that we really can do whatever whatever we set our minds to you know it's a bit cliched but i think you know it's really a beautiful gift that both of our both of my parents gave us and on this day on this father's day i'm just feeling so humbled so so humbled 
that I, again, (laughs) I'm going to sound like a broken clock here. I'm repeating the same things, but I think it's important to repeat that I feel so privileged to be my dad's daughter. I feel so, so grateful that, you know, that I get to call him my dad and that to this day, as a grown woman who's married, who's hoping to start a family with her partner herself, that I still know so kind of, it's not even a question. It's just, well, of course, that any time, day or night, whether I am in a place of joy or in a place of sorrow, I can call my dad and he'll be there. Whether I'm, you know, just a couple hundred kilometers, you know, six hour drive from LA to Northern California when I was in college, while I was in Scotland, you know, a country and an Atlantic Ocean away. <laughs> now that I, we're in Finland and I'm a little longer than Scotland, add, you know, an extra three hours to the voyage that no matter where I am in this, in this world, I know, and again, that makes me feel so grateful and so humble that there are humans who would quite literally get on the next plane, who be there no matter what is happening in my world if I needed them. And I'm lucky enough to have someone in the flesh, you know, my husband here, who I can also you know, say, honey, (laughs) Anija, you know, like day or night, my husband is there and I'm lucky enough to have that physical presence so that it's fortunate I haven't had to say, mama bear, papa bear, please come in person, you know, make this super long journey, um, in an emergency sort of situation, thankfully that I have my family in the flesh here, but I also have, these two humans in Tahunga, California, who raised me and loved me so fiercely and, and gave with such generosity to me both their time, you know, all of their, just all of their gifts, right? All of the things that make them who they are, they imparted upon me and my siblings. Again, it's not always conscious, right? You just observe your parents in their day-to-day world. And, and so (laughs) I was planning on doing a short little intro and look at me go, see dad, just easy to talk about you. It's too easy to talk about someone who's as wonderful as you, Papa Bear. And I will be back to say a bit more. And I'm going to take a little pause here. And on this Father's Day, you know, invite you to maybe reflect on just one doesn't have to be I'm being quite you know as you know I can be a little bit poetic at times and a bit flowery flowery and maybe my words come out in these sort of abundant waves and I mean them very sincerely as I'm speaking about my papa bear my father today but take a moment to reflect on one kind of special or a memory that makes you go, oh, that was lovely. That makes you smile inside um, with your papa bear. If you have a papa bear, I know 
not all of us have one for you know multitude of reasons but if it's not your biolo- it doesn't need to be your biological father it, it may very well be but a father figure in your life you know a mentor whether that's someone who shares your blood or not again of a moment that really makes you smile and that you feel grateful for and i'm going to revel <laughs> in the gratitude i'm feeling right now before i come back and share a bit more with you about this extraordinary yes extraordinary human being take a minute well more than a minute knowing me um, to share a little bit of my dad's story which I think really does inform and definitely has facilitated my understanding and my appreciation for the man that he is for the good human being <laughs> the kind, the intelligent, the thoughtful and tender and strong and just oh so generous human being that he is. So my dad was born in Mackenzie, Guyana, which I think I mentioned at some point in this podcast is a, a small country nestled in between Venezuela and Suriname. It is a former British colony, so they do speak English there with a lovely Caribbean accent. They gained their independence, I think it's now maybe 55, almost 60 years ago from the United Kingdom. And it's a country that's really rich in kind of natural beauty and recently discovered oil, actually. But um, so there's, you know, big parts of the country are the Amazon rainforest. They have the tallest or like the longest from kind of vertical drop waterfall in the world. It's called Kaitshura Falls. And I've had the, the joy and chance to visit there with my papa bear, my mama, my sister, brother, my auntie and uncle, and my double cousins in 2007. So 14 years ago, after I spent two months in Colombia with my grandparents and my dear cousin, and then we made a 
it was a week long. We hoped to go back and spend even more time there in Guyana before going to Barbados for our cousin's beautiful wedding on this really magical island of Barbados. And um, so my dad was born in this small town in Guyana. He was the first boy and the fifth child of Carl Jerome and Mary Yvette Degar, my my grandparents, my dad's parents. And she said he was the first boy, so they really celebrated his arrival. Um, and then he has three younger, three, one, two, three younger siblings, yes. So there are eight in total. Um, and I really, really, often my heart is moved and sometimes it really hurts knowing all the tragedy that my dad and my aunties and uncles endured. Um, so they had a really a fruitful and beautiful life in Guyana. My grandpa Degar is an entrepreneur, an excellent businessman, really well respected in the country, in the community, in the country. And I know they had sewing machines, Singer sewing machines, and I think they had a store as well. And my granny Degar, it's a really gorgeous both within and, you know, physically beautiful woman inside and out. And she was significantly younger than my grandpa Degar, which wasn't unusual for the times. And clearly she had eight children. She started having her children very young. I don't know exactly what age, but she must have been in her late teens because by the time she was 39, almost 40, Maybe she was 38 or 37 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer and it was serious. And, you know, the love they shared, the way that my dad and other aunties and uncles describe it was a very, you know, deep and profound and kind of really sparkly love in that they so adored each other. And my grandpa Degar went to the ends of the earth and was willing to, you know, do everything in his power to try to find treatment that would save my granny's life. So they did make really valiant efforts in the UK and the States. She did end up, I think, at some point, uh, you know, getting some treatment at the City of Hope, but it was deemed terminal at some point and she knew she was going to die. So she took the time, especially with the eldest. So, um, I have, there's four sisters, you know, my dad has four older sisters and one was already married when my granny um, died and had children. So she met two of her grandchildren, but you know, the second in line, the second oldest girl and my dad, who was the oldest boy, in combination with, you know, everyone, but all of the sisters and brothers who were above the age of 16. So my dad was 16 years old when my granny died. And sadly, she died the day before his birthday. So I know February, he was born February 12th. My granny passed the 11th. So it's always a really tough month, needless to say. And she, you know, kind of gave her dying wishes and spoke with my auntie and my dad, who were kind of the heads of the household, along with my grandpa Degar, when they moved to the States, to Los Angeles. And that was her wish, that she wanted 
her children and my grampy to be in California. And they did arrive and they did, you know, make what has become a really, really wonderful life in the States. Again, my dad was 16. 16. Remember how you were feeling or the type of person you were or what you were worried about when you were 16? I feel very grateful and I'm so happy that my parents are both still with me. And my heart really does ache when I think of my dad and losing his mom at 16. And then less than 10 years later, his dad died, my grampy. And they did say he really... Uh, part of his heart died with my granny and he really suffered and struggled and you know was grieving that loss and never perhaps you'll never be the same right when you lose the love of your life that he never quite perhaps experienced the kind of joy he did when he was sharing it with his wife with my granny and so my dad at 16 became, you know, after my grampy, the man of the house, so to speak, with my Uncle Brian, you know, who's, I don't know how many years younger, maybe just a couple years younger. But my dad really took the lead with my auntie and he worked, you know, two, three jobs. He and my uncle would go and throw the newspapers in front of the houses at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. He learned how to fix cars and automobiles. He finished high school in Burbank, um, as did all my aunties and uncles of that age. And then, you know, he went on to technical trade school. He didn't go to a four-year university, but he went on to study engineering and continuing to grow his knowledge base around that. And, you know, then he became eventually the vice president for uh, what was and what became a very large company in Burbank and he really developed a special bond with the owner we called the old man and we called him Uncle Ray Um, and he really was showed his gratitude and how much he respected my dad over the many years he worked for him and trusted my dad like his son and eventually my dad branched out and started his own small business which you know still exists to this day I think it's over 25, 30 years later. And so again, my dad was forced to to grow up (laughs) really young and forced to grieve and know a loss that you pray you don't have to know until you're old and wrinkly, right? The loss of your parents. And my dad, he never complains. He does remember though and honor and sort of speak with reverence and insight about how much my granny and grampy taught him in the limited time they had together in the flesh. And, you know, I I just want to, I'm speaking to this story because from the age of 16, my dad has been demonstrating his selflessness and his love of his family, of his brothers and sisters, and how he would quite literally do anything, sacrifice anything, and gives and treats them with the utmost love and respect. You know, that in the end, you know, at different points, my the youngest boy, one of my uncles, and 
one of my auntie's husbands so my dad's brother-in-law lived with my mom and dad he paid for his youngest brother to go to college to get a master's I think he paid for you know his sister-in-law his brother's wife also to get a master's and he never went on to do that himself but I very firmly believe he is <laughs> the most intelligent, uh, one of the most intelligent humans in any room he enters. And I say that with humility. And I say that because he really embraces the student of life mindset, which is so powerful and what makes him so wise and really intelligent, actually, you know, really quite. He, I sincerely know and believe he could be anything he wants to be. And, you know, I think he will continue working until he, you know, until he's so exhausted he just needs to lie on the beach in Barbados with his good Guyanese rum. But that if his circumstances had been different, he would be an excellent anything. You know, he is already an excellent engineer, an excellent entrepreneur. He could easily have been a neurosurgeon, uh, you know, a top lawyer. He really... And that's, you know, I, I feel like I have one one thousandth of my dad's intelligence, but I do have just as much humility and wisdom. Then that's something that allows me to grow and forge important relationships. And, and so, again, I'm speaking to this because over the past decades, my dad has given a job and really done his best to help I think dozens of my cousins, at least one child of every one of his siblings, maybe except the younger ones, but no, even the younger, literally, you know, and he is really grateful and I'm very grateful that he has the joy of working with my auntie Kathy, who is one of the most beautiful and gentle in a really strong way women humans that I know and I admire and love her deeply and I'm so thankful that her because she is such a wonderful aura both calming and uplifting and she is someone who my dad adores and loves so deeply and I know she makes such a difference in so many lives including my dad's so I'm thankful that she is still a part of his daily existence but yes, over the years on both, you know, in both sides of the family, you know, whenever someone needs an opportunity or a transition period, he does his best to teach them. Again, no one's perfect. No one is perfect. My wonderful dad included, you know, and I'm not saying that things couldn't improve in different senses of the word. But I am saying and am passionately saying that it is a beautiful instinct that my dad has to do his best to help everyone every chance he gets. And that's exceptional. As much as many of us, I think, would like to be, you know, really giving and have space to share our home or give people a chance in the work settings, many of us just maybe don't have the energy or the time or kind of the space in any given moment to do that. But my dad always makes the time. He's always thinking of others, his godchildren, his nieces and nephews, of course, myself and my brother and sister, all of his siblings, his in, you know, his brother-in-laws, his sister-in-law. He is just honestly, (laughs) 
honestly a spectacular human. And dad, I hope uh, <laughs> you don't feel too bashful that I'm sharing this part of your story, but I think it's important and so admirable and shows how much strength and courage and selflessness you have since you know, you've been working your butt off and giving in the most marvelous, really, really grand way. And it's beautiful. And I am so grateful that I am your daughter and that I have the pleasure and privilege of witnessing you be such a good human being to everyone you meet you know, blood, flesh, and those who you meet but once in passing, that the way my dad exists and moves in the world, the way he loves and gives with his soul and heart is one of the most spectacular things to witness. So thank you, dad. I, again, I'm, I wish I could take away the pain and the loss of my granny and my grandpa, but I know that if not for that horrible loss, I would not exist. If my granny did not die from breast cancer and implore her family to go to the States once, you know, and stay in the States when she was gone, my dad's path would not have crossed with my mom's path, who actually my mom's path crossed with my dad's sister and they became friends and then my dad fell in love with my mom and persisted and persevered for three months until she said yes to a date. That's another story. But that I would not exist if not for that tragic loss. So I wish it didn't happen. I sincerely believe everything happens as it's meant to. Both the hurt and and the sort of ecstasy, I guess, in a, in a pure, non-dramatic way. But, again, I offer gratitude to the world for being just as it should and offer gratitude to you, Dad, my Papa Bear, for transforming the lives of dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens of humans and for transforming and inspiring my own life i love you so much and there's still more to come about my papa bear but i'll give a little pause with a nice song that again i think needs no introduction profite bien enjoy you the ode I wrote to my papa bear so that's what you shall hear next and um, just to briefly share why it's called and this is what the episode is actually called um, my selfless prayer and I think I speak to this elsewhere in the episode but basically my dad's very selfless beautiful prayer to the world to the bigger power above us, whether you call it God or anything else, to give my suffering and my darkness and my times in the depression to him, which is indeed a selfless prayer.
I love you, Dad. I hope you feel that love in your ode. selfless prayer. Oh, my papa bear, where to even begin? With the way, in plain English, you instructed the surgeon to give 110% of his attention to your wife lying on the table as he prepared to make the first incision. With the way you watched my petite, squishy body emerge from my mama's womb. With the way yours were the first arms to delicately hold me close when I finally entered the world. With the way you embraced the love and joy and meaning. With the way you allowed it to fill your kind hazel eyes with raw emotions as you became a father my papa bear with the way you fell so deeply in love with your child with me your flesh and your blood with the way you too were my first great love with the way I would sprint to the front door and pounce into your arms the second I heard the key click in the lock With the tenderness and warm smile you offered each time you swooped me up and reminded me who loves me biggest. With the way you always believed, the way you still believe, so fiercely in my heart and brain, brain and destiny to make our world kinder and richer and wiser. With the way you held my small hand in yours as we walked and shared and wandered through the hills and valleys of Tahanga and the hopes and fears of this one life we share. With the way you let even more love pour out of your heart the first time I felt too big to link my teenage arm in yours. With the way you sang, (laughs) I got sunshine on a cloudy day. As you showered and the way you declared, I was your sunshine, no matter the weather, in the sky or in my soul. With the way you celebrated my triumphs, insisting you knew from the start, I would be victorious. With the way you silently and courageously battled the darkness that held you captive. With the way you always, with the way you always persevere. The way you never give up because of us, of Ana Flor, of Subiria, of Carl, and of me. With the way tears streamed down the core of your soul as you witnessed me fall captive to the same darkness. With the way you pulled me in close and insisted I was not alone, that I was loved, that I was spectacular even in this frightening, frightening place. 
with the way you fought even more fiercely for me than for yourself. With the way you remind me again and again with your actions and with your words that the flame within me is always burning and that you will not leave the dark, unforgiving emptiness without me in your embrace. With the way you fell to your knees in prayer and begged your God in company with your angels to please, please give the merciless grips of my disease to you with your pure and selfless prayer to give all my hurt and doubt and hopelessness to you so that you might carry it with the way you are always ready to sacrifice yourself to spare me of the pain you know too well with the way you drive past dozens upon dozens upon dozens of cities when the darkness resolved upon gripping me far from home with the way you again with such love and tenderness held my hands and pulled me into the warmth of your light with the way you remind me with a conviction whose depth I sometimes can't comprehend that I deserve to be here that I am worthy and brilliant and beautiful in my old soul way with the way you gaze at me with pride as I fight my way out of the bitter darkness and shine in a world I still somehow felt I didn't belong in. With the way you stared at my imperfect face and glistening voice and shared how much I remind you of my granny Yvette. How my sweetness and wisdom and generosity radiate in a way that reveal the spirit of the woman who was your first great love. With the way you show me the power of giving, of humility, of failing, failing and of learning. With the way your honesty and work ethic inspire my honesty and work ethic. With the way you always smile and declare, you know, my love, to the world, you may be just one person, but to one person, you may be the world. With the way you point your finger to your left cheek to remind me that a kiss is needed before I depart. With the way you never leave a room without declaring, remember who loves you, or asking, who loves you biggest? With the way you proved to me again and again that you, that you did indeed love me more than the universe itself. With the way your cheesiness and affection invite and nourish my cheesiness and affection. With the way you watched me fall in love with a kind man from a distant land. With the way you embraced and loved him in the same manner your father-in-law, your pops embraced and loved you. With the way your eyes glaze over as you witness the beginning and honoring of this next chapter. With the way we dance to the voices of Bocelli and Celine below the twinkling lights. 
allowing all the joy and strength and sorrow and beauty of our journey as father and daughter to envelop us with the way you are still my hero every single day. You are one of the reasons I survived. Your compassion and strength and love, your fierce faith, your giving heart, your beautiful mind. You are the reason I believe so deeply in the goodness of people. Oh, my sweet Papa Bear, I pray, I pray you know that you truly know who loves you biggest. There's two things I know for sure. She was sent here from heaven and she's daddy's little girl. forgot to um, share another really lovely thing that my dad has said to me since I was quite young probably you know when I was seven eight nine and started kind of taking responsibility for my own homeworks and assignments and really kind of pouring myself into different academic and school related projects and endeavors that I think he clearly, both my parents observed that I was slightly perfectionistic and that I, you know, would maybe fret or experience some angst if I didn't quite finish a project in the way I wanted to or get an excellent uh, mark on it. So I think he always said, and this was from, you know, that young age, through middle school, through high school, through college and beyond, the phrase he would always say was, honey, just do your best and leave the rest to dad. (laughs) And I think it's a really lovely and powerful thing that, again, he said quite often and that I really felt was true and sincerely believed that, okay, all I got to do is my best, put 100% in and then, you know, whatever else I may or may not need, uh, whether that's, you know, support, um, kind of encouragement, maybe help uh, in a sort of tangible way with an assignment that there are many humans I could turn to and depend on. And my dad was always one of those humans. And I'm very grateful for that. And that to this day, I still do feel, okay, sometimes, you know, you're having a challenging moment or or a project or sort of um, commitment that is really pushing you to your limit okay Maggie just do your best and leave the rest to dad so thank you for always saying that dad I wonder where and how that kind of arose in your heart and why you said that but I'm very grateful you did 
And I keep doing that, keep doing my best and leaving the rest to my papa bear. to make sure I didn't forget um, to take a little minute to express again my admiration and sort of applaud my dad for his really, again, there's something potent about positivity and being optimistic and being full of hope. He also always has a very, I think, healthy dose of skepticism and a scientific sort of mindset of questioning and, you know, kind of demanding, reliable and, um, <laughs> and thorough, you know, sources and being very analytical and logical in the way he analyzes things, but at the same time, not letting that detract from his wonderful positivity. He is such an optimistic soul, such an optimistic human. And I'm very grateful for that because I was definitely a worry wart <laughs> when I was a little girl and an adolescent and even as a young woman. And I'm still a young woman now, I like to think, but I've sort of, you know, grown into myself and blossomed into someone who has let go of anxiety and worry, which literally does nothing, right? One of my favorite another favorite thing my dad would say you know you know if worry if worrying about the problem doesn't do anything just let the worry go I'm not saying it perfectly I've always said something to that effect right that (laughs) no need to worry honey let it be you do again do your best and you know don't don't sweat the little things but savor the little things and the beauty of those little things. So thanks, Dad, for your positivity, your optimism, your beautiful mind. I continue to be moved by that, and I really strive in a sort of easeful, effortless way to tune into all I have to be grateful for, which is something that really fosters optimism and positivity so merci papa i love your optimism i appreciate your mind and i'm just so thankful that's still such an important part of my life start out this next section with a memory that always makes my heart smile (laughs) and that kind of warms me on the inside um, with my papa bear as I kind of invited you to do just a moment ago and I have uh, thankfully I have so many (laughs) too many to to share in this uh, one episode but one that was kind of a, I guess we could call it a recurrent 
memory, but it came in different sort of moments and different times, was that um, in our home, well, in the in both of our homes, we lived on the same street, Reverie Road. My parents are still there in Southern California. And I remember we ended up just moving across the street. In both houses, though, I do remember when my dad, he always, you know, he'll shower first thing in the morning, a nice hot shower to clear the sinuses and get ready for the day. And often, not always, but often, maybe especially on the weekends when perhaps there's a higher chance everybody will be home at least for the first few hours in the morning, he would sing. <laughs> and he would sing in, in a voice that uh, managed to magnificently spread throughout our home. And the song he always would sing, or one of the ones that just as kind of firm in my mind, I imagine maybe he sang other ones, but the one I always remembered and that, you know, literally makes me, like, makes me smile, was the My Girl by The Temptations. Um, and, you know, he'd sing especially the first part that, uh, okay, I'm going to try to sing. Well, let's see. <laughs> now I'm going to be too self-conscious to sing. It's something like, I got sunshine on a cloudy day <laughs> when it's cold outside I got the month of May and it goes on I shan't continue I invite you encourage you to listen to that lovely song <laughs> the temptations do do it right they they have the voice um <laughs> but he'd sing this and that was something he always you know would kind of the language he used often, he would be my sunshine, right? That um, we are his sunshine. Um, and of course, this is very, very cheesy and sweet, which as I've come to realize and <laughs> articulated to Eric, who is on the receiving end of the cheese, that this is why I am so cheesy and sweet, because <laughs> this is how my papa bear is. And that was one of the ways he you know, did and continues to uh, demonstrate his love was that he was very kind of, I don't know if intentional, I guess I would say about always saying, I love you. Um, and in particular though, also really good at just, I really always loved how he uses, you know, terms of endearment with us, like love, um, Yes, like my love, you know, so you say mi amor, he would even say mi amor sometimes. He um, he understands, I think, a bit more Spanish than he did 30 plus years ago when he married my mama, but um, so mi amor, mi corazón, my sunshine, and, you know, in addition to these really loving words, he showed us how much he loved us every darn day, you know, a I think that it was what my dad too, and I, I heard this in many contexts, and one of them was from my, my papa there that, you know, actions are powerful, and actions do often speak louder than words. It's not to discount words. Clearly, words too hold power. Otherwise, we would never feel either uplifted or put down or bullied by someone who who spits out words or who, you know, lovingly, poetically declares <laughs> words that they do have a place and often 
can be a really beautiful place in our lives. But that in addition to what can be empowering words or kind of kind, giving words, we must also demonstrate that which we feel so deeply inside with the decisions we make, with how we choose to live our lives. And again, I'm feeling quite thankful that there's just so many truths and gold nuggets of wisdom that my dad has imparted upon us um, over the past decades. Yes, decades. I just turned 30 in April. (laughs) So he's been a papa bear for 30 years now. Um, I'm the oldest. But that, you know, I'm, I'm only able to highlight a few of them. I already had shared a few. And another one that I really, you know, as resonated with me and that I continue to carry with me is this whole again this really powerful mindset of one I always have something to learn there is always room for me to grow both in terms of intellectual knowledge emotionally physically there's so much that I still have you know, to learn. And that is wonderful. You know, that being a student of life is, is a beautiful thing, but that also the importance of, and perhaps sadly, the kind of dearth or lack of this in our world, it seems at moments, or maybe we just highlight this a lot in our newsreels of doing the right thing when no one is looking. Something he always shared to you always you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do you're not doing it for the accolades or to be you know kind of told well done that was the right thing no you do it because it is just it is ethical it is honest and to to do the ethical just and honest thing when there are zero eyes staring at you when there is no one quote holding you accountable hold yourself accountable again this ties into you know my my strong feeling and kind of one of my core philosophies of be be the reason someone believes in the goodness and of people and part of you being that is choosing to do the right thing even when it's tough especially when it's tough even when no one is looking or especially when no one is looking that if there was more of that in the world perhaps you know there would be (laughs) a lot more Hmm. shared joy and a lot less suffering it's not a fix-all clearly there's uh, there's so you know countless number of things that go into making our world a peaceful one or into making our world a turbulent one but that it can only serve the greater good it can only I think bring about sort of positive things by always choosing to do right (laughs) 
right by the world, right by yourself, right by your neighbor. Um, and so, again, I'm, I'm admiring my dad as someone who does just that. <laughs> he can preach just like I can preach. He is very good at giving these life lectures, which I do genuinely enjoy perhaps even more, you know, because I'm quite a distance away. So it's always a pleasure <laughs> in the person I go, ah, oh, there's my papa bear <laughs> sharing his, his, his wisdom with me. Um, but that, you know, he, he not only talks the talk, he walks the walk. He really and sincerely does his absolute best every day to be his best. No, I'm not saying my dad has zero flaws. We all have flaws. We all have vices or imperfections. And again, things that we can work on. That goes back to the student of life mentality. He too has much to learn as we all do. But by and large, this whole idea of, you know, do the best with what you have. Do all that you can with what you have in this moment. You don't have all of the <laughs> insights and, you know, sort of great truths of the world in your mind and heart in this moment, and you may or may not ever have them, but you do have enough to choose to be a good human today, to choose to be honest today, to choose to work hard and give it your all today to also choose to be kind to yourself and to those around you today and I think again I just so deeply admire my papa bear for this that still 30 years later he is working and giving his all and giving so generously and being a reason that I believe in the goodness of people. He's one of those reasons, one of the most important reasons in my life that I go, yes, okay, you want to give this, but can I give more? And usually the answer is yes. And I don't just mean fiscally, right? I'm not just talking about monetary giving, you know, giving of your attention, Really listening to someone is a gift. <laughs> really, perhaps a gift we all need a little bit more of. You know, that we can give, again, our attention, our presence, our time, our knowledge and our wisdom, because we all do have wisdom to share. There is inner wisdom within each of us. Sometimes it just takes a while and a while can be months, years, decades to acknowledge and listen to that inner wisdom that is already there, already inside of you. So, again, thank you, Papa Bear. <laughs> thank you for not only imparting your wise words but inspiring me with your kindness and your actions your 
honestly, just have the most generous heart and this spirit that just cannot help but give and give wholly. Thank you for being the reason I sincerely and wholeheartedly believe the world is good at its core, that the world is full of beauty and goodwill and compassion. And I believe that because of you. And and again, I... I just feel so humbled to be your daughter and I feel very, very blessed to have had you and to still have you beside me as I grow and accept and try to manage my, my disease, my disorder, that I haven't spoken to this at length in this episode, but you really are dad. (laughs) One of the reasons I have survived what felt like unending depression or very severe depression, that your, your presence and your belief and your, your love, (laughs) your, you know, choice to quite literally drive to wherever I was in the world and physically pull me out of our dark space into the light. You know that I I am the luckiest girl in the world for so many reasons and you are one of those reasons, Papa Bear. So thank you for believing in me. <laughs> thank you for always, always fighting for me, even when I was certain I didn't deserve anyone to be fighting for me. Thank you for loving me so unconditionally and for sharing your love with me, for telling me how much you love me and showing me how much you love me every day. I really do love you bigger. (laughs) And I get to have the last word here. I do. I love you so much, Dad. You are a light and an inspiration in my life. And again, I'm so proud, so proud, and so grateful to be your daughter. Happy Father's Day. So in just a moment, you will hear 
um, a really beautiful song, just a little clip of it, just a little portion of it by Celine Dion and Andrea Bocelli. Um, it's called The Prayer, and it's quite an older song now that they, this beautiful duet, maybe even two decades ago, and this song is very special to me and my dad because it's the song we danced to at, um, at my wedding. And so I just wanted to share. Yes, sorry, you got cut off there. <laughs> I just wanted to share this with you. I wish I could put the whole song in. It's quite beautiful if you have the chance to listen to all of it. But here's just a little portion. Profit bien. I love you, Dad. I'm thinking of you, and I am so glad we had and that you took so much time to really choose this beautiful song for us to share in that special moment with In Via de Leiva Colombia for our father-daughter dance. Profit bien. Lead us to a place. 